0: So tonight in Exodus chapter number 15, if you'll read with me in verse number 22, Exodus 15 verse 22, we'll read two or three verses here and then I want to rewind this and bring some things to your mind and then we'll leave tonight. Exodus chapter 15 verse 22. And let me say this, please, I talked to Brother Jimmy Rose about it a while ago and he made me a promise that he would try to get Brother Aiken and they'd go see this lady, she's there at the motel. Her name is Pam. Many of you, how many of you stayed at the Holiday Inn Express this week? You've seen the lady, she was working this afternoon. Her name is Pam. And uh, she's talked to me on several occasions this week. And tonight she broke down and talked to me that she is lost. And she said, I need to be saved. And we we talked about it. And I gave her a couple of tracks and tried to speak to her. Of course, the telephone was ringing. People was coming. And she said, Preacher, I'm, I'm literally really concerned about knowing where I'm going to spend eternity you know, I thought Brother Aiken as you was talking about those millions and millions over in France, and yet right here, right here in our back door, just within a few miles of the holiday in Express, there's a lady working tonight who knows not the Lord Jesus and has a desire to know him. So I, I asked Brother Jimmy that they'd try to get to her and to speak to her and somebody continue to plant that seed. The Bible said, "One man soweth, another watereth, but it's the Lord that giveth the increase) so I wish you'd pray for her. We'll read tonight Exodus 15, verse 22. The Bible said, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. I want to preach tonight with the help of the Lord, and I'm very, very keenly aware that it takes His touch and His help. But I want to preach on the ministry of Mara. The ministry of Mara. Now, this is more than just an Old Testament history lesson tonight. I believe this Bible teaches us that these things happen unto them for examples unto us. They were written for our admonition upon whom all the, the ends of the world are come. The Old Testament... It's not an outdated book, but it's, there's truths that are here for us in this New Testament, in this dispensation of grace age. And I want to make a comparison here. Now, when we come to chapter number 15, we find that the children of Israel have just crossed out of Egypt, and they have crossed the Red Sea, and they've came over into the other side of the Red Sea. I want you to back up with me just a minute for just a foundation. Look at chapter number 12. And you know, these, you know this story as well as I do. Some of you better. But in Exodus chapter number 12, you can find that the children of Israel, in verse 41, the Scripture said it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. 430 years, the Bible said that they'd been away and traveling down in Egypt in various places. And now it's in chapter 12 that God brings the last plague upon Pharaoh. You remember how that Pharaoh, he's captured the children of Israel as it were. They've been down there for many, many years. The plagues have came. God has raised up Moses as a deliverer who went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. But Pharaoh hardened his heart, and after a while, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And you know that to be so if you know your Bible. God did do that. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. And now this is the last pledge. And it's in chapter number 12 that God told the children of Israel that they were to take a lamb to put it up on the 10th day of the month and keep it until the 14th day of the month. And then they were to offer that lamb, take the blood and put it on the doorpost. And on the lintel of the house, the Bible said in Exodus 12, verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, God said, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, for a long time, as I read the Scriptures I saw it like this. I saw them putting the blood upon the doorpost and the lintel. They slew the lamb. They brought the lamb on the inside. They roasted that lamb. They ate the lamb with bread, unleavened bread and bitter herbs that night. And I thought about the Lord, the Lord Jehovah coming down. And when he saw the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel of the house, that he would pass over to the next house and the next house. But that's not what the meaning of this is. If you'll notice in same chapter 12, verse 23 For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in under your houses to smite you. The word they tell me, Passover, comes from the word Pascha. And it means that the Lord literally stood there. And He stood guard against the destroyer that was coming behind Him. And He protected them from the destroyer coming in to destroy the firstborn. Now tonight, I'm glad the blood has been applied to my soul, as it were, the doorpost and the lintel by faith. And the Lord Himself will keep the destroyer from ever reaching my soul. Now, I physically may lay down this body that I am living in tonight, and I may give up the ghost, so to speak. I don't like to use that word, die. For Jesus said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And I'm not going to die. Now, you may hear that I've died one day, but I've not died. I have just changed locations but the blood has been applied by faith. And when the death angel that would like to take my soul to the eternal abyss reaches out, I'm glad there'll be someone there when I come to make the crossing that'll say, hands off, that's redeemed possession, that property belongs to me. I bought that at the cross of the Lord Jesus So now, here they are, and they're getting ready to come out. Look at chapter 12, verse 37. The Bible said, "...and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children." Now, get that in your mind, if you will. "...600,000 men," the Bible said, "...on foot besides the children." If he was to take 600,000 men, the wives are not even mentioned here, and, and take the children and come up with an estimated guess, it's been estimated that there's between a million and a half to three million Jews that are coming up out of the land of Egypt. Now bear that in your mind. And then the Bible said in verse 38, "...and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds..." And and even very much cattle. What I want you to see is a great host is coming up out of the land of Egypt. It's in chapter number 13. I'd like for you to look at two verses quickly. Verse 21 and 22. The Bible said, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now this was the visible, if you let me use that expression, the visible manifestation of the Lord Himself. The children of Israel could see that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And it was literally God who was leading the children of Israel up out of Egypt. Chapter number 14, verse number 13 is where the actual crossing of the Jordan takes place. The Bible, or excuse me, the Red Sea takes place. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. You know what goes on in this passage? Moses took the rod and lifted it up, and God caused a strong east wind to blow across the Red Sea and divided that thing. Someone has estimated that He pushed it back this way a mile and a half, and He pushed it back this way a mile and a half, and marched the children of Israel over 5,000 shoulder to shoulder, foot to heel, foot to heel, at least that many, and as He crossed that million and a half to three million Jews that night across the Red Sea. And I believe they did go across on dry ground. I know there's liberal theologians that say this is a misinterpretation. It should be the reed sea, and that the water was only ankle-deep, well, a greater miracle than what I thought. God drowned that host of Pharaoh in ankle-deep water. No, friend, it was the Red Sea. He pushed it back, and the children of Israel went across on dry ground, and when God got the children of Israel across on dry ground... The pillar of fire is showing them the way that night across the Red Sea. And the pillar of cloud that was behind the children of Israel, and it was darkness to the Egyptians. They couldn't find the children of Israel. And as they went across, then God began to bring that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire a little further across the Red Sea. Pharaoh's heart's been hardened in verse number 4 of chapter 14. He determines he's had a change of mind. He's going to apprehend the Israelites and bring them back. But little does he know that this is his Waterloo friend. And he dies in the water. He and all of his armies, over 600 chosen chariots and men and captains, they all died in the Red Sea. Now that brings us up to chapter number 15. I'm trying to bring us somewhere in the Scripture tonight. Chapter 15, what we have here from verse 1 to verse 21, we have, is what I call, the singing of the children of Israel. You have the Exodus from Egypt that speaks of their deliverance. And then we find them coming out now, and I guess they did have a good right to sing. They're on the banks of deliverance after 430 years of being in bondage. And here they are now. And now, this is not the song of Moses. The song of Moses is in Exodus chapter number 32. But here you find Moses literally begins to lead the children of Israel in this song. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Can't you see him by the thousands and hundreds of thousands saying, Amen? And they join in with Moses in this song. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength, my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare Him a habitation. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. All the way from verse 1 to verse 21, they begin to exalt the Lord and magnify what He has just done for them in bringing them out of the land of bondage. Look at verse 6. The Bible said, "...Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy." Down around verse number 11, they begin to sing, Who is likened to thee, O Lord? You're talking about a camp meeting. You're talking about a Jubilee friend on the banks of deliverance of the Red Sea, and looking back and see the Egyptians drowned and floating in the water and on the bank dead. They said, Who is likened to thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is likened to thee, glorious in holiness? Fearful in praises and doing wonders over and over is what I'm trying to get you to see. Look at verse 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. I mean, from verse 1 to verse 21, you find the children of Israel making music. And rightfully so. I believe when we got saved, and I still believe we have a song to sing tonight, He put a new song in our hearts. We've been redeemed. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for being saved. Thank God for being brought out of bondage and out from under Pharaoh, a type of the devil, and being set free, friend. Been delivered. But now wait. I want you to stay with me now. I want you to see what happens here. Why in verse number 20 and 21, they got so happy. Sister Miriam, she's the sister of Moses and Aaron. She got the women together and took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went after her with timbrels and with dances. Why, they got to smacking those timbrels together, uh, and they got to dancing uh, about being free. I don't believe this was a vulgar dance. Uh, It wasn't the hoochie-coochie, or or the dip, or the butterfly twist, uh, or whatever they're doing, moonwalking, or whatever they're doing in this age. Uh, But I'm telling you, they began to dance before the Lord. Uh, And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord! For he triumph triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he throwed into the sea. Hallelujah. It's jubilee time. It's camp meeting time. But now listen to me, church. We're going to leave here tonight. We're going to leave here, and I pray that your heart's been uplifted. I pray that you've been strengthened. I pray that you've been encouraged to keep on keeping on. But watch what God Almighty does right here in this chapter. Now, won't you stay with me? The Bible says in verse 22, So Moses brought the children of Israel, he brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out in the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, remember, I'm preaching on the ministry of Marah. Now, they didn't know what this place was named. They gave it the name Mara, which means bitter, The word Mara means discontented, uh, being chaffed, being provoked. And it was God who led His chosen people, if you will, three days after their salvation. They've been brought out, they sung, they shouted, and all of a sudden Moses sees the cloud heading out in the wilderness. And he said, "Aaron, tell the people." And I can see Aaron tell the people, and they begin to spread the word. We've got to leave that cloud, God's presence. God is moving; He is moving. And if we're going to find our way through this wilderness, we've got to follow God. And you know who you know who it was that brought him to Mara? It was God. And you need to hear me tonight. If you this, please listen to this. Not because I'm preaching it tonight. But this is the truth that sooner or later was going to happen in your life. God will allow you to be brought to a place called Mara. Now, don't argue with me and say they're out of the will of God. Don't tell me that. They're not out of the will of God. They're following that cloud, friend. They're as much in the will of God as you ever have been. I know they're complaining some after this, but right now they're following the cloud. They're following Moses. And they go three days. And they go three nights. Three nights with a million a half to three million. And there's elderly saints. There's women that are carrying babies. I see the livestock. I see the animals. I see by the thousands and the hundreds of thousands. And they go three days and three nights. That word, so Moses brought, they tell me that word brought is an action word. It means to pull up the tent stakes and to start out on a journey. It's as almost they became content and they were at ease at the place where God brought them out. Now that's where a lot of Baptists are tonight and you know it. They're content with just being saved. Uh, st- they've been, some of you have been saved 25 and 30 and 35 and 40 years uh, and you're still right there where God brought you out. God bless you. You're still in your little playpen uh, crying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like you got a pacifier in your mouth. That's the way Brother Ed Blue used to illustrate it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Wook, and John. Uh, and you've been saved 25 and 30 years. Uh, you ought to have gone little ways with God in that length of time, friend. But it's as though they're satisfied. It's as though they're content. And Moses brought them. It means to pull up the stakes and let's start out on this journey. And he, even Moses didn't know where God was going to take him. So they're headed out through there. I see this in my mind. And they've never been this way before. They have never been. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They've never been this way before. And all of a sudden, somebody has to be leading this procession. Maybe it's Moses. Maybe they've got some some people out front out there. But somebody is leading them one day. And then the second day. And then the third day. They went three days and they found no water. Now people are beginning to get thirsty. They're, they're liquidating their sources of water that they had with them. And they're beginning to realize we're running low and we're running awful low. And if something don't happen, we're going to run out of water. And it's God that's leading them. Now watch what happens here. The Bible said in verse number twenty. Three, and when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Now there was water there. There was water at Mara, but they did not know that it was bitter. Can you imagine whoever's out front? Can you imagine somebody comes up over a little hill and maybe down in the valley there, it's like a little oasis, and they say, Hey, there's water. Get the Word back. Tell tell Brother Aaron, get the Word back. There's water. We found water! And as they begin to I can see this in my mind, as they begin to run toward that body of water, they do not know that it's bitter, but the cloud is standing right over top of it. They're saying, God has brought us to water. God has been so good. God has been so gracious. What a great God we serve. And as they went down on their knees to try to drink this water, somebody had to be the first one. Somebody had to be the first. And as it were, they got the water, and they're probably saying, "Thank you, God! And, Thank you, Lord!" And as they look at me, and as they tried to drink the water, they spit it out. I mean, they spit it everywhere, and they can't—they can't really, can't really fathom what's going on. They're saying, "Aren't we following God? Have we followed God's man? Isn't that the cloud? Surely there's not been a cloud that slipped in. What in the world is going on?" And those waters are bitter. Bitter. And look at me, God led them to that place. Now God is going, you better, you better get Dr. F.B. Meyer, whom I love to read behind. Dr. F.B. Meyer said you better find out early on, Christian. You better find out early on that a lot of the journey is Mara. A lot of the journey is Mara. There's a lot of bitter episodes in life. There's a lot of things that happen that, that for the sake of me, I don't have the answers anymore. I mean, I just don't. Number one, I give these to you quickly and we'll go home. And you say, Brother Lester, what's the ministry? What's God trying to teach the children of Israel? What is, what's the teaching? What's the application for us today? Well, number one, the ministry of Mara is a ministry of no current interpretation. I mean, simply, it's the marvel of Marah. Moses is standing there in astonishment. Aaron's in astonishment. And they're beginning to spread the Word back. we found water, but don't get too excited. They said, it's bitter. It's bitter and we can't drink. Can you imagine? And even Brother Moses doesn't have an interpretation you will encounter some things in your life. Listen to me. If you live long enough in the Christian life, you will encounter some maras that are God ordained. Listen to me. Not to destroy you, but to develop your faith like never, never before. Now, I preached this for a long time, and I, I mean, it's easy when you're young to preach these truths. Man, it's easy. I'd preach when I was younger. Anybody can shout on the mountain, but it would take somebody with the grace of God to shout down in the valley. I just never had been in the real valley yet. I'm going to tell you something, friend. You can get so far down in that valley, you can be like David and say, Oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted in me? Why art thou so cast down? That's how David felt, friend. Here you'll find it's a ministry of no current interpretation. They're in the will of God, aren't they, men? There's... And I'm standing here really in, in a sense of being scared and in awe at the knowledge of these men of God that are here tonight. I mean all of these great precious men of God. And here I am, a nobody, just a nobody, just somebody saved by grace going to heaven that God chose to preach the Gospel. But look, can you imagine, me? And can you imagine? Here they are. What's the answer? What's the answer? Are you run into anything like this today? Are you running into any situations where there's Mars? Mars? What are you trying to say, Brother Buster? Well, just that there's no seemingly interpretation. I am dealing with people whose lives have not turned out like they thought they were going to turn out. More and more and more just today and I forgot I'd have forgotten this they called me earlier in the week and told me and I tell you my mind is literally leaving me my brother called me this evening we were talking on the phone he said did they get a hold of you about brother Leonard Ferguson he's a pastor up in around Castlewood up around in that part of Virginia right there Daint and St. Paul Castlewood and I said, yeah. I said, I remember Barbara Tell me, but I said, I forgot about it. I said, I prayed that day, but I forgot. He said, Buster, he said, Sister Francis, that's Brother Leonard's wife. He's been preaching now 35, 40 years. His wife is going blind. She's lost eyesight in one eye, and she's losing eyesight in the other eye. He just recently has come through a bout with cancer, a man of God now. And you know what the devil tries to run through your mind after years and years and years of service? He'll whisper to you, Where's God at now? Now, where's God at now? Why is God allowing this to happen? And I'm telling you, you'll find your place, you'll find yourself at a place one day when you'll probably just look up and say, Lord, I don't understand. I, I have no idea what's going on. The ministry of Mars. And it's God who brought them here. We give the devil so much credit that he's not due. Why is it we always associate chemical imbalance, we associate cancer, we associate a heart attack, we always associate that with the devil? Watchman Knee. I love to read behind Watchman Knee. Early on in Watchman Knee's life, when he got converted and got saved, He went before the Lord, Brother Ron, and he prayed something to this effect. He prayed and he said, Lord, he said, I want your best. He was in the pharmaceutical business. He was making money. He could have had a great career ahead of him. But he got saved and then announced his call to preach. And he said, Lord, I want your best for my life. I want to be the best I can for you. Have you ever whispered a prayer like that? Have you ever said, God, use me. God, touch me. Have you ever begged God for His power and said, oh, Lord, please use me? Watchman when he went before God and poured his heart out and said, Lord, I want You to use me. Make me to be the best I can be for You. You know what happened recently right after that prayer within a couple of months' time? I mean, his financial situation reversed itself. His own family turned against him and friends turned against him. He crawled back before God. His own health had broken down. And he said, Lord, I thought I asked for Your best. And the sweet Holy Ghost whispered to him and said, Watchman me. this is our best to make you to be the best for God. You see... The captain of our salvation was made perfect for what? Suffering. Through suffering. You know how we want to be made perfect? Through success. And applause and pats on the backs. But Jesus, the Bible said the captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. And I read one day an old Puritan writer said what the grace of God did not do for Christ, that is, it did not exempt him from uh, and haphazardly quote that. Uh, somebody setting that that you know whose heart's been torn asunder, to right? their kids have gone astray, and you say, well all things work together and make light of it. So, so maybe you've seen this a long time ago. I wish that you could have helped me, and I, I'm just so dumb. It takes people a long time, the Holy Ghost a long time to help me. But let me deviate for just a second. I didn't preach last night. I'll make up for it tonight. For a second, look in Romans. You just stay with me in Romans chapter eight. That verse, boy, we love to quote that verse, verse twenty-eight. And I like that verse myself, and I like the whole chapter. I like the whole book. I like the whole Bible. But he said in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I want you to see something that I never saw for a long time. Verse 28, And he said, And we know that all things... Would you look at something else? The Bible said in verse number 32, The Bible said, He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us now, the all things of verse 28 and the all things of verse 32, I believe, are the same. He's not even going to charge you for them; He's going to give them to you. They're His divine gift. Oh, you say, must be a new house, must be a new car, must be a new farm, must be a new light. Listen to what it says. Listen to verse number 37. Nay, here's a two-letter word that opened this up for me. Nay, in all these things. I believe that these are the same all things of verse 28, the same all things of verse 32, are the same all things of verse 37. Nay, in. Not out of it. Nay, in all these things. Well, what are some of them? I believe they're enumerating in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? There's one of those things. Distress? Persecution? Famine, nakedness, peril, sword. There's some of those all things He's freely going to give you and not charge you anything for. And then He said in verse 37, Nay, Paul said the Holy Ghost speaking through Paul, Nay, Here, not out of it, not when you get beyond it, not when it's behind you, but nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I thought I didn't see that for a long time. And, and I thought when we got out of it, when we was on the mountain, when, when we was above all these things, uh, that we were more than conquerors. No, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's while you're walking in those valleys and you're in those trials. that, uh, And by faith, you keep putting one foot in front of the other day by day uh, and hour by hour. Uh, it's there that you're more than a conqueror. You might be surprised who is more than a conqueror here tonight. It might be that dear sister who's in such physical pain and infirmity. That's right. It could be that individual that you think, my Lord, they must have done something awful wrong for what's going on in their life. No. You remember that. Nay. Do you want to be more than a conqueror? That's a loaded question. Do you want to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus? If you've got the guts to say yes, Lord then you have just asked the Lord to back up to your house, as it were, into your heart and dump a truckload of nay in all these things. It's not the man with the biggest diamond ring. It's not the man with the most church members. Now, listen, it's not the man that's driving the nicest car. It's not the lady that's got the nicest dress as hell. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things uh, if God allows it. But I'm telling you, in all these things, they're more. been Well, when these things come, sometimes they're just unexplainable. They're overwhelming. You've been trying to live for God? To serve the Lord? You've given your life, you've surrendered your children to Him, and then all of a sudden, something like Mara. A bitter episode. I know some of you personally here tonight. You know some of you, some of you know me personally. And I know some of you have been to some bitter waters. Some bitter waters. Bitter. Some ministry of no current interpretation. Some marvel of Mara. And then number two, as you look at this, I see this. It's the ministry of inter-revealing. This is this is the mirror ministry of Mara. Now the Bible says in Proverbs chapter twenty-seven verse nineteen, as in water, face answereth to face. So the heart of man to man, as in water, face answereth to face. Have you ever got around still water? You ever got around a pool of water, a pond, or? a... Got around the lake and it was still and kind of ebby and the sun's in the right place and you're looking down at the water and you know what you see? You see a reflection of your own self. I mean just as clear as day. You know what I see here? I see in verse 1 through 21, they're making music. But in verse number 24, they turn from making music in three days after the greatest camp meeting they'd ever known anything about in Jubilee. They went to murmuring within three days time. Here it's the ministry of inter You see, we don't really, listen to me, we don't really know who we are. We don't really know who we are until we come up against tomorrow. Then we find out that we're really not who we thought we were to begin with. That's exactly right. Okay. The ministry of inter Recently, as recently as just a few days ago, I've had calls, calls from preachers whose children have just recently messed up in, them, in their lives, marriages, and homes. I've had men of got called, deep, went broken down, with cry. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm not so quick to pop back now as I was 25 years ago. No, I'm very cautious about what I say. I try to try to listen and be a sounding board, and just try to. Help them and try to encourage them. Because I don't know what's going to happen to my children. Nor my grandchildren. Pre adventure the Lord allows us to have some in, in days to come if the Lord don't come. You see, there that see those men spitting that water out. You see somebody else come down and say, Well, maybe something's wrong. Let me try this side of the morrow. Let me get over here. You let me get over here. Everywhere they went around the out. I'm gonna tell you, it's hard to drink the waters of life. You cannot drink them within yourself. And here's the inner reveal. They begin to see who they really are. Do you really like what you see about yourself? When we, Even as we try to serve God, one old writer said this, even as we serve God as preachers and evangelists and pastors and people serving, even as we try to serve God, that old writer said we avoid direct contact with His eyes. I'm going to tell you something. When you hit Mara, you hit a bitter place. Maybe you lose a child. Maybe finances turn upside down. I don't know. Maybe maybe you have to bury a wife. You have to bury a son or daughter. You have to bury a husband. I mean, something that you was not expecting. And for the life of you, you can't figure it out. That's when you're going to find out who you really are. That's it. God's morals reveal what we really are. And there's sin for us to depend on God. Now watch this. I want you to see something. Nobody. Nobody. Out of a million and a half to three million. And we know at least 600,000. At least. Nobody. Said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's don't let let's don't fall out with God. Let's don't murmur against Moses. Let's have a prayer meeting. Uh, don't you remember our song three days ago? Uh, don't you remember how we said that it's the Lord that triumphs uh, and the Lord can do this and the Lord can do that? Hey, well, oftentimes when you run running tomorrow, you forget about those things. We're prone to be just like the children of Israel. We're quick to forget. You know it's so. Some of you have been there at the hospital sitting there wondering what's going to happen. Some of you have been there wondering what's going to happen in this situation, that situation. we we'll find out who they really are. Then the ministry of Mara is the ministry and should be the ministry. And I believe this is the whole lesson. It should be the teaching of intercession. This is the molding of a morrow. You say, preacher, is God sadistic? Is God just being mean to the children of Israel? Is God just being angry? No. No, He wants them to learn. He, he wants them to learn a valuable lesson that they can depend upon Him. Uh, he wants to bring them through this morrow, through this crisis, uh, so that they can know that He can handle any mar that they'll face on this wilderness. The sad thing is, And not much like myself and many of you, they failed their first time. They failed their first time. And they murmured. So the Bible said it did it not. They murmured against Moses. The people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? You've got a million and a half to three million people on your hands uh, and they've got livestock and there's children crying uh, and people are thirsty and they're, they're, they're nervous and the waters are bitter and they're thinking, what's going to happen? See, what, the, what Mara will do for you? One of two things. Mara will either make you a bitter Christian or it will help you to become a better Christian. It's all in how that you allow God to handle it. And your attitude toward it. That's right. You have that siren? God forbid, but what if that should be a call, getting ready to come to the camp? If you're to come to the nearest hospital, one of your children has had a car wreck. And they've been ushered how to do it that could happen. That does happen to believers. You see, Dr. Vance Havin and I love to read behind it. I have, I believe, most all of his books. And one of those I can't find, I try to find. And I've got a few of his old tapes. I was in a meeting here a while back. Somebody handed me several of his tapes and said, Preacher, okay, you'll be a blessed to going up the road. And I listened to them in the entire journey. One of those tapes, listen to this. This was many, many years ago before Dr. Seitner's here tonight, before they could do ultrasound and those type of things. There was a Christian couple. A young man, the young lady was expecting their first baby, expecting their first child. They were so excited. You know, they'd prepared the little nursery there at the house and got things ready. And all the doctor could do back then, you know, was tell how the baby was developing and how it was laying and how the heart beat and things of that nature. And, and the doctor said everything's fine. Everything seems to be just fine. And she went into labor and the dad's out in the waiting room. They didn't let him go back there then. And then all of a sudden the doctor delivers the baby. When he delivered that baby boy, he cut the cord, immediately wrapped the baby up and departed from the operating room and went to another room, stepped out to go get the dad. The nurses are working with that mother. And she's crying, is something wrong with my baby? Why did the doctor not show me my baby? And Dr. Vance Habner was relating all this. That doctor who was a saved man and a Christian himself went out there and got that young dad. He said, son, come in here. He said, I need to show you, your son, that God's given you. And the boy was scared. He knew that was not the normal procedure. He said, "Doctor, something wrong?" He said, "Come here, son." He said, "God has blessed you with so many pounds, so many ounces, baby boy, and everything's very healthy. And God has done you a special favor. He's blessed you with a special child." And the doctor pulled back the little blanket, and the little baby boy was a mongoloid child. And the doctor said, "God has blessed you with a double blessing. He's blessed you with a special, special." That dad's heart sunk. His wife's in that room in that labor room crying where's my about baby. That doctor said, now son, we've got to walk in there. You've got to be strong. You've got to tell her. You've got to help her and show her during this time that God has blessed you with a special child. So again, they walk in there and the dad's carrying the baby and the doctor's beside the dad. And the mother's frantic by now. She's saying, honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, now wait a minute, honey. He said, "God." Everything's all right. God's blessed us. We got a healthy baby boy, so many pounds, so many ounces. She said, "Well, give me my baby. Give me my baby." He began to lay the baby in her arms, and when he unfolded the blanket, she saw the baby was disfigured. And he said, "Hunt." She began to push it away. That was her first reaction. Push it away. She began to push it away, and when she did, brother Ron, I mean, that her husband, said, "Now listen, honey. The doctor told me, and that there in the room, God blessed us with a double blessing." He's not only given us the baby boy, but He's given us a special, special child to raise for His glory and honor. Dr. Vance Havner said, this is what happened. That saved young lady whose life was in trauma, I'm talking about it was a traumatic episode. She reached out and said, give me. The very thing she pushed away from, she said, give me my baby. Give me my baby. Pulled it to her bosom, planted kisses on it. Let it begin to nurse from her breast and say, this is a baby God has given me. Do you see at first she pushed it away? And then maternal instinct took over. She left out. Won't you see something right here? They're standing at Mara. In their hearts, they're bitter. They're bitter toward Moses. I believe in reality they're bitter toward God Himself. They're just bitter. They're confused. They're disillusioned. They've never been this place before. They don't know what's going to happen. The Bible says in verse 25, And he cried and unto the Lord. The only one that knew what to do was Pastor Moses, if you will. I believe with all of my heart, I believe he got away from the people. I can see Moses get somewhere down by the banks, as it were, of Mars. I believe he found him a place, and he knelt down, and he looked up, and he began to pray. And he said, Father, I know that's your cloud, that your presence. God, you brought us here. Lord, you know why the waters are bitter. God, I don't. And I don't know what to tell my people. And I believe he was crying. You, you read it however you want to read it. The Bible said, and he cried unto the Lord. I believe he was crying for some help. I believe he was crying for some enlightenment. Lord, would you please, what am I going to do? What are we to do here? And he cried unto the Lord. See, what our morals are intended to do is to bring us... Closer to God. To bring us closer in intercession. You may not be praying the flowery prayers, and you may not be what you think connected with heaven and the third of heaven and praying like you prayed in your secret place when it flows like a river of water through your mind and through your heart. You may be where you can only cry, Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Help me. I tell you, I really believe that's some of the best praying we've ever done. I believe that's some of the best prayer we'll ever do. for Lord, I know which way to turn. I know which way to go. What to he do? Help knows Moses cried unto the Lord. This is very simple. I know it is. Tonight it's elementary for most of you. And he cried unto the Lord. Verse 25. And the Lord showed him a tree. I believe there was many trees around the waters of Mara, trees usually grow where there's water. But God said, Moses, I want to show you a tree. Moses, and the Lord showed him a tree. What's the way your King James Bible's worded. Which, when, he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now this doesn't even make sense. This doesn't make, this doesn't make any, any sensible logic to the rational mind trying to rationalize this. The waters are bitter. God shows Moses a tree. And Moses said, do what, God? You want me to... I don't know if it's laying on the ground or standing up. I don't know if he cut it down or picked it up. But irregardless, he got the tree. There's leaves on it, bark on it. If he cut it down, there's sap running out of it. You want me to do what? You want me to throw it out in the waters of Mara? I believe Moses, just by faith, did what God said. Uh, nobody's around seemingly to help him. He picks the tree up. He walks over down to the bitter waters, uh, and he throws it. if anybody sees him do this, if any of the brethren are watching this, I promise you they said he didn't take his medicine this morning. Something has gone wrong with our pastor. Uh, look at him. He's so mad at God. He's cut a tree down. And the waters are bitter, but now He's thrown an old tree out there and, and managed money. And look at it, and there's leaves and bark. He's made works. I can see Moses now. I see the pastor, Brother Moses, get down by the banks tomorrow. And they're looking at him like, doesn't he believe what we told him? And Moses takes him a cup. He gets him a little of that water. And he begins to drink. He doesn't spit it out. And they're saying, man, he's trying to pull one on us. He's trying to confuse us. And down he goes again. He gets some more water. And begins to drink. And you know what I believe? I believe one of them come over there. And I mean kind of, You know, if this had been a board meeting, they'd said, we better, we better table this to next month. I don't know about all this. But one of them reached over there and put his hand down in that water. He reached down and got a little on the tip of his finger. Brought it up to his tongue. And I believe his eyes look like seven, seven, seven at the Harrison over yonder in Cherokee. And I've never been either. Uh, I mean, I believe whoever got a first drink of that after Moses, uh, I believe they said, wait a minute. They went down for another drink, stuck their head plumb under the water, and was going blah, 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 blah. And they come up shaking their head. Uh, and they said, it's sweet, it's sweet, it's sweet. Hey, what I'm trying to get you to see right here—that uh, tree cannot represent anything else but the cross, uh, the cross of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and if we'll run back to that bloody hillside called Calvary uh, and look up to that tree, uh, that tree can sweeten our bitter. I believe they begin to cry. Bring the grandmas. Bring the grandpas. Bring those that are aged, uh, Bring those that are crippled. Bring the babies. uh, And hey, wait a minute. They were backing up from that just a few minutes ago. And now they're getting right out in the middle of it. They're getting right up. See, the very thing they tried to get away from, they're embracing it now. The cross has made the difference. The cross has made the difference. Son, I, you talk about another jubilee. I bet they went to it again. I'll find out when we get there. I'm from over East Tennessee, J. Bassel, no country. I believe they went to singing again. Lord, they probably went to shouting and a blessing, God. And the waters were sweet. Sweet. Probably never had been any waters like this since the Garden of Eden. There may never be any more water like this. Mm. unless it was in John 2 when the water was turned to wine. And then you're going to find some in the millennial. And probably just like this water right here. I mean, that, that, the very thing they pushed away from, they're embracing now. They're embracing. Isn't it amazing? As I thought about Sister E.Q. up here tonight, and I know it's her heart's desire to sing for God. And I watched her as she played and she watched the others sing. tears running down her face. But you know what? You know God can help us embrace our morals when we learn what our morals are all about. When we learn a little about what they're all about. Quickly, we got to close. I've been with you tonight. There's also the ministry of instruction. That's the mission of morals. But then here's the ministry of intervention. It's the miracle of Mara altogether. Boy, they're in that, I can see them there. They're shouting. They're blessing the Lord. I believe they're getting containers full. They're crying. They're weeping. They're, they're just having a time. And I don't know how long they were allowed to stay at Mara. But all of a sudden in my mind, I hear Moses say, children, Aaron tell the children of Israel, get word to the children. Cloud's moving. Cloud's moving again. God's moving. We've got to follow. You know what I hear one of them say in my mind? I can hear one of them say, Pastor Moses, what can be better than more? What can be better than more? And a while ago they were thinking, what can be worse than this situation? But now, through prayer, through intercession, through a divine miracle of God, they're saying, what can be better? And mark. the very thing they were pushed away, they're now embracing them. They don't want even leave it. Moses said, they've got to follow the clouds man. They've got to follow the clouds. The Bible said, you know where I'm going, verse 27. And they came to Elam. You say, what's so significant about that? Well, they tell me the word Elam comes from a root word that means the mighty one or a place of strength. And they tell me it was actually right over the hillside across that mountain. But God chose not to lead them across that mountain with a million and a half to three million of them and all their livestock. He brought them around the edge of that mountain and brought them in. In other words, just around the corner was Elam. What if they'd have thrown in the talent more? What if they'd have quit and thrown it on God and said, God, you've not been fair and I deserve better than this. And I'm full God. I am poor. The Bible said, and they came to Elam where there were twelve wells of water. I didn't know this. That means there's one forever tribe. Nobody's going to have to stand in line or take a ticket. Can you imagine whoever the first one was that viewed that and saw that? I believe they thought that was a mirage or something. They asked their buddies, said, how many do you see? He said, I counted twelve too. How many of them palm trees you counted? He said, seventy. Twelve wells and seventy palm trees. Palm trees in the Bible always speaks of victory place of shade, place of refreshment. And here they come. It, I, get, I can hear them shouting back to the others and say, Don't stop. Don't stay where you are. Keep on a-coming. Keep on a-coming. We found an elam. We found an elam. Twelve wells, seventy palm trees. Don't stay where you are, but keep on a-coming. I'm seeing something right now. I have half had thought for tonight right here. Don't stay where you are, but keep on coming. Grudge, come on through you, Mara. Run to the cross. Let God make it sweet. Let God make it tolerable. Let God make it drinkable. But, but don't bog down it, Mara. Keep on coming. There's an era. Place of rest. Place of rest. One of these days, as an individual, and as a church collectively, we're going to go through our last morrow. We're going to bump through and weep our way through and drink the bitter waters that God can only make sweet. We're going to come through our last morrow. And honey, we're going to view the Elam of all. I don't know what I can do with them 70 palm trees, but I can place them 12 wells. Four gates, four east, west, north, and south. <laughs> you figure out the 70 palm trees and bring me some help after a while, all right? I'm telling you, we're headed to a city one day. We're headed to a land. I'm telling you, maybe just around the corner. Don't stop it, Jamara. Keep on coming on, friend. Elam! Elam, may corner. And I believe he's coming. Oh, please, please tonight, get some help from God. We're in this camp meeting. I heard good news about the first week and I've been here to enjoy this second week with good singing. I've been here to enjoy your singing, your testifying. But look here, camp meeting will be over. We're getting ready to leave. only God knows there may be a morrow that He's allowed right out in front of us. It may be down the road somewhere, but you remember God can turn that morrow into sweetness. And then there's an elum just around the corner. I'm through tonight. You come get ready to close if you feel like we ought to close. I was in a little old meeting here a while back. You could have put it in a church and half, a third of this choir off. I was in a little old meeting. I don't call them little meetings. I don't mean it that way. Any meeting God's in is a big meeting. <laughs> We're well, in a little structure compared to this, but any meeting God gets in is a big meeting. I got downstairs changing clothes, and I heard an old, old saying of God. I mean, she done tiptoed over and looked a little past Mara. And she said, church, she said, I see Elam just around the corner. She said, I've come through the worst Mara I've ever been through. And son, then she cut loose in that old-fashioned way. Whoa, She said, said Elam's right down the road. And here she went down the altar, down the few, few pews we had there. She had to shout in the victory. She said, He wants a coming. He wants a coming. Try and encourage us tonight. I don't know what morning you may be at. I don't know what bitter episode of your life you may be at. But there's coming an even down the road.